Have you ever been excited about a big idea or felt motivated to act on a cause that really lights a fire beneath you? But then the fear of judgment, not knowing the next steps, and just overall self-doubt get in your way? Then you are in the right place. Hello friends, and welcome to Driving Well Indigenous. I'm your host, Jill Featherstone. In this podcast, we will hear from movers and shakers and change makers who are out there doing the work and have come to share their stories to help make our journeys just a little bit more easier. So buckle up and let's get started. Hello, friends. I'm so glad to be back and getting back into podcasting and sharing all the messages that I have with everybody. So I want to start by just letting you all know where I've been. I decided to step back from podcasting for just a little bit because I was focusing on my Awaken the Spirit workshops. Um, Awaken the Spirit is a workshop that I developed about 10 years ago now. And I developed this workshop to help young people, to help young people find their way. And so what I want to do is I really want to tell you about the workshop, why I developed it, you know, what it's all about, because I think that I just don't talk about it enough. I actually, I asked myself that the other day, you know, I have this incredible workshop that I offer and it's, it's literally changing lives. I've been doing it for, you know, around nine years now, and I've helped thousands of young people all over um, like especially in Manitoba, but I've gone into the other provinces as well. And I've also trained over 250 service providers to do my workshop. And I realized that I don't talk about it, not, not nearly as much as I should be. I don't post about it. I don't show pictures. I don't show the successes. I recently, I just asked myself, why, why, why aren't I talking about this more? What I realized is that I'm running to keep up because when I pour myself into this work, I am in a hundred percent, like a hundred percent of my time and energy goes into my workshops. I went full force into my workshop this past two months. So everything just kind of got put off to the side. I didn't have a lot of time to do podcast recording because I you know, I spent a lot of time traveling to the different communities. And sometimes I have a hard time getting my head out of one headspace and into another when I'm so focused on something. And I kind of, I did this almost, it was almost like a mini tour of communities. I did, you know, back to back, um, awaken the spirit workshops in different reserves across uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan and Alberta. And then I also did a round of train the trainer opportunities where I also was in Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta, where I would host train the trainer events and people could come take my workshop, like community service providers, anybody that works in like social assistance, child welfare, basically anybody that works with youth. You know, we have teachers, guidance counselors, band counselors, just anybody that works with them our youth and young adults, uh, they would come and take the training over three days. And it's a really, really intensive training. In that three days, I jam pack everything into those three days. Um, and so I, I did a round of those in between. And when I do train the trainer opportunities in the different provinces, it's very, very strenuous work. Like some, some days, 
my body is aching from head to toe and I'm literally crawling into bed at, you know, around nine o'clock, you know, my whole body is, is just drained emotionally, physically drained, but it's because I give everything I have in, in those three days. I spend a lot of time getting myself ready and bringing that energy with me so that when I'm working in delivering this workshop, whether it's a workshop with young people or a train the trainer, I give everything I have, you know, in those three days. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, the workshop is as profound and as powerful as it is, is because I throw all of my my heart and soul into this work. So just to tell you a little bit about it, um, Awaken the Spirit, I developed it in around 2013, 2014. It's, uh, I based it on a four-part model that I created. And the four uh, pillars are identity, awareness, vision, and resiliency. So in the identity piece, we explore, you know, who we are, our desires, our ambitions, our likes, just everything about about who we who we truly are and who we want to be. And it's such an important piece because it's the foundation. It's the foundation piece in our in our lives is we first have to discover who we are. You know, I help people develop a really strong foundation for themselves because you can't build on an unstable foundation. You have to have a strong, solid foundation first. So after um, we go through a bunch of activities and experiences in um, identity, then we move into the awareness piece. I personally feel that this piece is one of the more integral elements of the whole workshop because we really explore intergenerational trauma. And it's, it's so important, especially, especially now, because we hear that word all the time. It's brought up, it's talked about, but a lot of the time people don't realize that a lot of people don't fully understand what that means. And as indigenous people, you know, we're almost like expected to just know, well, what if nobody's ever explained it to us? Or what if we've never learned it anywhere? What if we missed this piece in our education? There's so many what ifs, but bottom line is not enough people truly understand what intergenerational trauma means, whether you're Indigenous, non-Indigenous, young or older. Just not enough people have a basic and true awareness and understanding. So we really go into that piece. We talk about why it's important and how it affects us today and how it's still affecting us and just really helping our young people make the connection. Because a lot of times they think, well, it happened to those kids or it happened to those people or it happened a long time ago. Why are we still learning it? Why do we have to know it? Um, I, I help people truly make that connection and to see, oh, okay, this is why. This is why I have to know it. This is why it's still affecting me. And I have um, a very unique way of helping people to really visualize and see, you know, how to see, you know, why our nation is the way it is. And this awareness piece and this demonstration that, that I provide to people in this workshop, it's changed my life too. Then we move on to vision. And in the vision piece, uh, we explore goal setting, um, having a vision for your life. You know, what do you want your life to look like? 
and I share with them the goal setting techniques that I've learned and I've acquired over the years. And if you go back to um, one of my podcasts, I think it may be 16, maybe 16 or 15. I do a whole podcast on goal setting. Um, so that kind of information is in there and then so much more. Uh, and then we move into resiliency and in, in the resiliency piece, you know, I give them tools and strategies to pick themselves up every time they fall, to keep going after the workshops are done, after the support people are gone, when it's just them, it's just them in life, living life and doing life. You know, I offer them tools, strategies, and ways to move through this life with power and strength. So that's like the run through of, you know, the workshop, but I create an experience in the workshop and I'm always excited on the first day because I get, you know, a room full of people that don't really want to be there and they're there because they have to be there. Uh, even, and I'm going to say this, even about the community service providers, sometimes they show up because their boss sent them or, you know, it's just another workshop and they don't know what to expect. And sometimes they're worried that it's going to be just another three days of, you know, reading PowerPoints and listening to somebody's research or getting, you know, materials that they don't really know what to do with at the end of the day. So I get really excited when people come in with, um, you know, not really having much expectation for what they're going to encounter in the next three days. And I get excited because I know what's going to happen. I know that there is a possibility that lives are going to be changed, that people are going to walk out of this workshop three days later and nothing will be the same. That's so exciting for me and it fuels me. It's why I do this work. You know, I've seen it. I've seen it on the last day where, you know, there's been tears and people have told me I never, I never expected to change my own life by coming here. And I'll receive messages down the line, either by young people or people that have come to become trainers and you know, letting me know what goals they've achieved or letting me know how their lives have changed. So we're actually going to hear from a couple of people today that I have interviewed. So I was able to catch up with a couple of people this past week to get their insight as to what their experience was like, you know, coming to take the training. Uh, I've been, I had a chance to interview two people that took the training more than once. So the first person I interviewed was Jonathan Saiz. And Jonathan Saiz is from Opasquiat Cree Nation, and he works for Swampy Cree Tribal Council um, in the pre-employment support program. And I wanted to hear from Jonathan because I know that he has come more than once. I wanted to hear his take on how the workshop has helped him in his work and in his life but I was really surprised when he told me that he's taken the training, the train the trainer program four times. It's not uncommon for people to come more than once. I've had several people take the training um, a couple of times. And I often wonder if they're going to be disappointed because it's the same training. But, you know, they always tell me that you know, they always pick up something different each time. 
And so we're going to hear from Jonathan and we're also going to hear from Terry McKellop. Terry came to my very first train the trainer. Um, she also works for the pre-employment support program and she's come to the training three times and she's always been an advocate um, for the training and Terry and Jonathan both offer the training back in their own communities and they travel to different communities and they provide um, the training for their programs. You know, once you become trained, you don't have any obligation to me. You know, the program becomes yours. You know, that's one of the unique things about it too, is because I provide people with this training and I give them freedom to change things and add their own elements and add their own everything you know, their own stories, their own activities or strategies or ideas. Um, and I invite people to build, to build on what I've given them because the focus of the program is not to help me. It's to help our young people. So if they find different ways to do that and, you know, enhance the program that I've given them, then that, that thrills me. That's, that's what I want. I want people to do that. I always had this question in the back of my mind how can I help? How can I help? You know, what is the answer? And it's funny because when I was a young person and I went down a, a really bad path, you know, not, well, don't want to go into too much heavy detail, but you know, as a young person, I had all kinds of charges on me. I'd suffered through depression. I got kicked out of every school I went um, and I was pregnant as a teenager. Like anything that you could have gotten yourself into, I did. I did that. But I also turned my life around. And when I did that, when I was able to turn my life around and really find, you know, some successes just in different areas of my life, not only, you know, academically and through employment, but, you know, in my personal life as well. And to be able to live a more awakened life. I developed a lot of skills and strategies along the way, and I really felt compelled to share with others. I really wanted to help other young people avoid a lot of the crap that I, you know, took myself down, a lot of the the crap that I put myself through. And it was, a lot of it was so unnecessary. So I thought, you know, if I could help others, if I could help myself, you know, then I can help others. And um, I really threw myself into trying to figure out ways that I can do that. How can I piece everything together and, you know, develop something to help young people? Uh, and that's where this workshop stemmed from is just that question. How can I help? And it's the, this work that I do, it's not my full-time job. Like I, I have a full-time job and this work that I do is stuff that I do in my spare time. But what it feels like, it feels like this is my full-time job because this is where my heart is. This is what I want to do for my life. That's why I call it my my life's work. It's my calling. And I know that it is. But I realize now that I have to allow people in and show people what I'm doing because, you know, I see now that I've been given this very special gift of being able to help people and I need to share it to a wider audience so people know that, you know, this program is out there and can help young people and not just young people, people of all ages. You know, I recently had a encounter with 
someone and this person didn't even know me and she told me that I need to allow people into my world and allow people to thank me and I really kind of just I didn't quite understand what she was trying to tell me she said that I closed myself off to people and that people just want to come up to me and you know tell me thank you and tell me how I've changed their life but I've kind of built up a wall for myself that I've masked as humility but really I've kind of closed myself off and she just gave me some advice to just be open and allow people into your space and it's not arrogance or pride or boasting that you can allow people just to say thank you and everything will be fine and everything is going to be okay. When she said that to me, I had an opportunity uh, just a couple of weeks after that where I was invited to an income assistance forum. I was invited to set up a booth and I remember the morning that I was supposed to set up the booth. I almost canceled. I was thinking I can't go because I have my grandkids with me. I have, you know, my daughter and my son with me that day that didn't have school. And it just kind of seemed like it would have been easier to just stay home. But then I remembered that I was invited and the people that invited me, they paid for my, my spot to be there because they really wanted me to be there. And I didn't want to disappoint anybody. So I said, okay, let's go kids, pack them all up in the vehicle. And I was ended up being late, but I, I still went and I set up my booth. And for the 45 minutes that I was there, I had my older daughter with me, who's 25. One by one, people stopped in at my booth to come and tell me, how this workshop changed their life. I can't even tell you how that made me feel because it came at a time when I was really questioning again. Am I working too hard? Am I breaking my back to to do a workshop that I doesn't I don't even know if it's working or not. I'm constantly on the road and having to leave my family behind because I feel called to this work and I was just asking myself at that time is it even worth it? But that day just gave me all the validation that I needed and it gave me that extra boost that I needed to keep on going. Um, and, you know, people came through that day and they just stopped in just to just to tell me. And that's all they wanted to do was just just tell me they didn't they didn't need, you know, anything from me. And other than for me to just accept their gratitude. And that was such a a spiritual feeling to be able to receive that. So I really want to say thank you to everybody who did stop by that day. And I just want to let everybody know about this workshop and that I am available to come into communities and do the workshop. I have train the trainer dates set up where you can come and be become trained and take this workshop back into your own community or use it to help you in your own life and in your own work, um, you can visit my website at www.jillfeatherstone.com and also at featherstonesupportservices.com. But let's take this time now to hear from some of the interviews that I did this past week and hear what other people have to say. So let's talk about Awaken the Spirit, but 
I guess let's see how far we're going to go back because I'm pretty sure that you were at my very first train the trainer, like the very first one. Yes, where is it? Uh, it was in 2018 as your first one. Yeah. I still have it here. It's a certified facilitator. So, I mean, I've been at this a long time. Every workshop that I've ever done, you know, I, uh, as far as my pre-employment support program, I always, always tell people how good Awaken the Spirit is. Like, it's helped so many of our participants because, you know, the way you go in there and present to us, it's like, it's not just taking a program. Mm -hmm. It's not that. When you go in there, you tell them what what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. You bring along the all the binders and everything. So it's all like a you're feel inclusive and you participate. You don't just sit there and someone's talking to you the whole time, right? The part that I love best about the Wicked Spirit is when you read out those letters, those generational letters. Mm. You had the people come up and each person got to read a letter from each generation. That is so profound. They had no idea why they were where they were. They didn't know. Once they hear why they're, why, you know, we're kind of stuck, you know, because that's what pre-employment support program is all about, right? Is to try and, you know, show them there's something out there for them. Whether it's working, going back to school, you know, moving out of your community, you know, that's a huge one. Moving away from your community, you know, when we take them out and we tell them, you know, you could get a job anywhere you want. They could never see themselves living away from their community because it's so hard, you know, to to move away. I'm giving your family, your friends, everything you know and everything you love. It's really, really hard for them to move away from that. But with Awaken the Spirit, it gives them a little more courage to even give it a thought. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, for me, it's it's been a cornerstone, our pre-employment support program success. Without it, I don't know if the program would be as successful, you know, because if I bring you in there, I bring the Awaken the Spirit into the program first. We do the intake, we tell them about the stages of change, and then I bring in Awaken the Spirit. It's always first, before we do anything else. Mm-hmm. Because they have to know why they haven't had a job or went to school up until then. And that program tells them why. It's so uplifting. The hardest part about that Awaken the Spirit, I don't know if you've ever noticed, is when you ask them to tell them about their strengths, you know, something good about themselves, that is one question that's really hard for, well, for anybody to answer. But in a First Nation, it's really hard because, you know, I don't think we as human beings see our worth. Mm. So if you ask that question outright, it's really hard to answer. You know, even, even for my age, when someone says, you know, tell me something good about yourself. You know, other than being a grandparent and a mother, I don't know what that what you know what my strengths are other people tell me but i don't know myself i don't know what they are Uh yeah um you know getting back to that generational trauma like that that whole piece of of the workshop that's always a part of the workshop that scares me me personally when i'm training somebody or when i'm doing the workshop in a community i'm always nervous about that piece of the workshop because i know that i'm gonna evoke emotion in people and sometimes I don't know how much emotion I'm going to evoke and I always want to make sure that I'm taking care of everybody and that I bring them back to a good place by the time that they leave there there's just so much 
that goes into that. Sometimes I even get really nervous and I think like, can I do this? Like I ask myself, can mm -hmm. I do this? And then I, I have this like talk with myself and I'm like, yes, you can, because you need to, because I know that I know what it did for me. Yeah. You know, another good piece in the awakened spirit or the pre-employment support program for sure is also the kind, it's not really budgeting, but what you do is you give them an exercise and you're saying, okay, here, you got a million dollars now. Tell me what you're going to spend it on. <laughs> you know, and again, for, for First Nation people, I can't speak for everybody mm -hmm. because I don't work with people off the nations, right? For this, yeah. But again, their first instinct when you give them that exercise is, oh, I give my mom or I give my granny or I give my auntie, I buy her this. Yeah. And you tell them, yeah, that's okay. But what would you do with it yourself? What would you buy yourself? Mm -hmm. so a home, a car, those things, they're not even in there in the realm of reality to be seen yeah. actually own their own vehicle. So again, that's, that's a really good exercise in that awakened spirit. And I make sure that when I take this into community as a facilitator, I reiterate that, you know, to make sure that they know that all of that is achievable for them. They can, they can, they can own all of it, any place they want. You know, this whole country is theirs. This whole world is theirs. They can go and achieve it anywhere they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the things like um that you add, you know, some of the, some of the, your own things that you add or that your own stories and stuff that you tell to the young people? So when I go into uh, communities to do the Awakening Spirit program that, you know, when I facilitate it, I draw all my own experiences. I really do, because mm -hmm. I think you can tell them about um, what's the guy's name from um, the singer that everybody knew about, you know, like or even um, Wayne Gretzky, or any one of those celebrities, they can't connect to those people. Mm -hmm. But me standing up there, being an older person, because I always tell them I didn't start this job till I was 63 years old. I was retired already. And I was asked to come in for an interview, which I did. I was 63 when I started this job. So if I can do that, anybody can do it. You know, I tell them that I went back to school at the age of 50 to graduate, and I didn't graduate till I was 52. I told them that I was a valedictorian of our graduating class. I explained to people, too, what a valedictorian is. I don't presume everybody knows because they may or may not know what it is, right? Right, right. I also tell them, like, moving away from my community, and I bring my husband into a lot of it, you know, I said, because he is so set in his community, he doesn't want to leave. You know, again, I bring him back to me. I told him that... Uh, I had asked my husband if we could move to the city because all of our children live there with their grandchildren. I'd like to move to Winnipeg and build some memories, you know, with, with my babies. And I said, just two years. So, of course, you know, okay, just about two years to the day, you know, I said, okay, old lady, we're going to go home. He says, I don't want to be here anymore. We're going to go home. And because I had made him a promise that it was going to be two years, I had to go home. Because, again, don't get me wrong now, I had him long before the children come along. So, of course, he's my number one, you know, priority i don't you know the children all have their own spouses and their own little families mm -hmm. so for someone that's that old that doesn't want to leave this community it's hard for everybody to leave the community but you can do it you can do it yeah so yes i bring every one of my own my own uh, part of my life into you know what it was like you know like because we grew up without running water and electricity my mother i was one of 12 children 
you know, I, I bring all my own personal things in there, you know, um, telling them. And the very first thing I do when I start any training, anything going in there, I always tell them, you know, you're not going to believe this, but I'm shy and quiet. There's a laughing, right? So because they, they know just by me walking in the door that I'm not. So <laughs> that kind of gives them a little bit of a, a little insight of what I'm like, you know, joking around and stuff like that. So I definitely use all my life experiences when I go to do a train-to-trainer of uh, Awakening Spirit. Right. I was just thinking about when you were talking about, you know, your husband not wanting to leave and stuff. And, you know, I'm always encouraging our young people to leave, venture out. You know, you can always go home. I want them to not be afraid of change. I want them to experience other things. But I also am very aware that not everybody leaves. Not everybody wants to leave. Not everybody has the courage to leave. And some people are, they're just going to, they're going to stay in the reserve. And that's where they're going to live their life, their whole lives and, and raise their families. I also want to make sure that um, they know that that's okay too. And that's, you know, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Because it's not, leaving the community is not for everyone. It's really not. Some of them have, they have people that they have to look for. They have committee commitments to people, you know, there, and sometimes they may be the only support that that family member has. So absolutely not. It's not meant for everybody to leave. Mm-hmm. I want them to know that there is the opportunity to leave if they want to go by and educate themselves. What I'm finding is that when people first hear about the workshop, you know, they read the name and they think, oh, it's like a, it's a cultural workshop or something, you know, it, it's kind of misleading because of the name. What do you think about the name Awaken the Spirit and what it means to you? You know what, for me, myself and I, it does exactly what it says. You know, when I tell people that it's going to awaken their spirit, it does because it awakens them for opportunities, you know, and there's so much out there. And it does exactly what it says. By the time you're done with this training, and we usually take it for a full four days, we go in and we do the training for a full four days. Sure, you can condense it. You can make it shorter, you know, less time. But then you're missing some of the pieces. You have to have the full effect of it. I like that. I love what you do when you uh, put, you know, a little gifts out onto the table because there isn't anybody that doesn't like that. Even me. Like, and it doesn't matter your age, your gender, whatever you are. You love getting that little present. And it doesn't have to be a great big thing it could be something really small but you just feel like look at that they got that for me so yeah i've done that i've done it with other workshops not just awaken the spirit because i know that that brings people to the door that brings them to find out what's going on and before you know when you talked about the name of the workshop for me i when i first go in there to do an intake always i tell them what programs are going to be in because they're all through the powerpoint right and I tell them what awakening the spirit is. I tell them that it does exactly what it says. And it really does, Holly. It really does. When when it says awaken the spirit, by the time you come out of there, you are awakened as to who, why, and where you are. And that again opens your mind up for other opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when I and I, when I talk about awaken the spirit and people making change and you know, whatever it is, going to school, you're just going to school. You know, I, I like I said, I always bring my own self into it. I bring my life story into it. Yeah. I tell them about me as a young mother. I believe I was only 26, 27 years old at the time. I had three children. One of them wasn't even in school yet. And my husband got a job overseas. He went to Saudi Arabia. 
Then we got on a plane and we landed in Germany. Now, when you land there, it's like a whole other world. You know, it was huge. And I'm talking like it was bigger than most First Nations you go to. This airport, just the airport. So we get on the plane there in Germany, get off there, and went look around a little bit, you know, because we had lots of time. Get back to the airport, get back on the plane, and we land in Saudi Arabia, the scariest place anybody could ever land. You know, there was uh, because in an airport, the the thing comes up to you so you can get out of the plane and you walk down the aisle and go through this long tunnel. Not there. The doors opened. You could feel that hot 110 degrees heat coming into the plane. And you walk down these big stairs and across a tarmac for a long way, you know, maybe the length of two football fields to get to the to the to the terminal. Once you're in the terminal, it was just a great big room, no chairs, no nothing. It was just a great big room where no one spoke and everybody had guns around the whole entire room. And I'm scared my children are there, nobody spoke English. They, they, Grab your suitcase, throw it there, open it, go through every label, every single thing, your underwear, your socks, everything, every little piece of thing you had in there. And then they put either a check or an X or whatever, and then they throw it in a suitcase and then they point you in the other direction. And then you go into another room and each one of us had to walk through the detector and then they'd x-ray you to see what you had on you, if you had anything, you know. And then you'd go into the other part of the airport and it was like arriving in Germany. The airport was just gorgeous. And then you had to wait for your husband to try and find you amongst those six, seven hundred people in an airport, you know, to get you to a compound that had a guard at the gate when you got in there. So when I tell people my own life journey, then that's what it is. I tell them about it. It's scary as hell, but damn it, you can do it. I can do it with three little monkeys. <laughs> wow. You've been to Awaken This Beard twice. So you came to my very first workshop. So <laughs> thank you so much for that. But three, um, times I've been, three times I've been there. What is it like each time? Does, is it, do you get something different? Because uh, there's been a couple of people that have come, you know, more than once. And I, I always wonder like, hmm, am I going to disappoint them? Because it's the same thing. Like it's, it's the same workshop, but... You know, are they going to be disappointed that they're coming to the exact same thing? But how, like, how can you describe that from your perspective? So the very first time I attended the Waking the Spirit workshop was in 2018. And I was brand new at the job. I really didn't know what to expect. I can be honest. I don't think I was paying as much attention as I should have, to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I did learn a lot. But the second time, it was even better. Because this time I was paying way more attention, taking notes, you know, knowing what I had to do because I knew I was going to come and do and deliver this program into the First Nation myself, that it wasn't just going to be somebody else. I was going to be the one to present the program to people. And I wanted them to have the same feeling I got when I got it. So I was taking more notes and I still have the book and I still have all the notes. You know, the third time I went, it's always something different. You think it's the same, Holly, but it's not. <laughs> There's something that you've always missed that you, because you're listening to the audience as well. You're not just listening to the presenter up there. You're listening to the people in the audience. And every time we've had it, people ask different questions because it affects them in different ways than it affects me. It really does. So everybody, I think, could take it two, three times and come out of there with something different every time, every time, because you hear something that you've missed before. You might have been talking to someone, you know, when something was being presented because 
sometimes you got to pay attention to the person that you're sitting with, even though they may not be from your nation or your community or whatever, because they might have something that brought some memory back for them, especially during the generational part of the presentation. So I think you got to be mindful of that, too, that sometimes people have their own little, you know, groups chatting. Side conversations, know. yeah. So I think that's why each time I've gotten something, I walked away with something different. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because there have been people like sometimes I think about certain stories that were shared by people and it's they still come to my mind. You know, I still think about them. I still think about their story and just how powerful their stories are, you know, because I mean, residential school affected everybody for generations. And it's absolutely right. It really has. But I think it's affected people in some ways and other people not in that way, but in a different way. So every time that it comes around, I think maybe something else triggers you more often because I think this program, especially after that generational um, part of it, mm-hmm. because I really think it, it makes people think, you know, it, it, it opens their eyes and they go, that's why I'm like that. Now I'm not going to be like that anymore. So yeah, yeah I think I'm going to change it up now that I talk myself into it just now yeah. when I do it. Whenever I go through my evaluation forms, a lot of the times I get the comment, you know, I wish it were longer. I wish the the training were longer. And I struggle with that too, is I want it to be longer. But then at the same time, I also know that information overload, they're not going to retain anything after a certain amount of time. And then can I, can I ask somebody to be away for that long? Because some of the people I get, they're coming from places like Oxford House, you know, flying communities. So they spend a day traveling. Like I had a few ladies at my last workshop that had uh, rode the bus all night long. They're um, from, they got on the bus at Thompson, flew in, got on the bus at Thompson uh, and they drove all night. The bus got to Winnipeg at 8 a.m. And they come straight from the terminal, freshened up a little bit and come to the workshop at nine. So they're already spending a day traveling. Then they do three days of the workshop and then they spend another day traveling. So it's like five days they're away from, from home. So then I think like, man, if I push it a little bit longer, will I get, will I get the people in the door? Like, will they come? That's, that's something that I I battle with because I do want them to get the maximum experience, but at the same time, like, can I ask somebody to be away from home that long? Because even us, like I have a hard time being away from my kids. They have a hard time being away from me, you know, for that amount of time. It's a tough one. So here's another thing. See, because for me, it's a little easier because I go into communities to deliver them. Mm-hmm. But what I do do is I do not go there by nine. I don't start anything till 10 and I usually go till four. Because I find that you can't expect them to be up and, and ready and stuck by 8, 30, 9 o'clock when they have never done it. Right. Be mindful of who you are presenting to from in a nation. Yours is a little different because you're getting working people in there, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think what happens too, this is only my opinion, I could be wrong, but some of them kind of think, hey, yeah, there's training. I think I'll go you know, just to get out of their training. But then when they get there, they realize, damn, this is really good. You know, <laughs> then they don't want it, you know, but they still need to do because this might be the only time to shop, you know. That's why when I do something, Holly, especially if it's in the city, I try to book it around the end of August so people can do shopping for the kids for school and at Christmas time. 
if there's going to be a meeting or something, I try to do it the second week of November or December mm -hmm. so that they can shop. Because to me, that's so important that you give them that that extra day, you know. And when you say, okay, guys, listen, we're going to cram it all in. We're going to work over lunch and you guys are going to be gone at two, say the last day. Because again, that gives them that extra few hours to run around to pull apart, to save the tell to wherever it is they got to go get this because they might order something. It's not there and they got to run halfway across the city. That'll give them that little bit of time to do that. So again, that's just a suggestion. I do that too. I, I go right through lunch. I feed them, go get your lunch and come back to the table. You know, and then we just keep on going so that we can be done by three or four, you know, because we don't start till 10. And then everybody will still be eating and listening, you know, and I give them 15 minutes, like you say, 15 minutes, come back, whatever back first, get to pick up a gift off the table. So then they've got that so that nobody goes anywhere. Do you notice that nobody leaves your workshops? Yeah. And they stay till the end too. That's always surprised me, you know, because I've, I've been a young person at workshops and like, man, I, it, it's painful to stay right till the end of a workshop. But I've always noticed that on my first day, which is my longest day, every like I keep everyone till 430 on the very first day, I still have everybody in the seat by the end of the day. That really surprises me. Uh, it makes me happy, too. Oh, absolutely. Because you know you're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love that tip of shopping days. I'm going to definitely use that. Yeah. And, you know, another thing I, I want to speak to is... um. Sometimes I would go into a community. So um, say an agency or something would bring me in to do a workshop with young people. And they would tell me like, okay, well, you need to start at this time and you need to go right to this time, you know, 3.30, 4.30 or something. And sometimes they, I would kind of like get in trouble if I let people leave early or if we worked through lunch um, so that I could let them leave early. You know, the people that sitting in the desks, you know, making the rules and stuff, what they don't realize is that at a certain point, you lose everyone. They're not even listening anymore. They're checked out. They forget who they're working with. Yeah. That's because they're funded for this amount of dollars. If I'm paying, this is what it's going to be. No, 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 no. We are there for one reason and one reason only. And that is to give our community's member a leg up. To give them a chance and some hope that they can have exactly what everybody else has. Right. You can't ram it down their throats because they ain't going to take it. <laughs> it's so true oh thank you so much for sharing your your insights and everything um about the program so i'd like to welcome alicia martin and alicia is from saigon pre nation which is moose lake am i saying it properly i don't want to miss moose again yeah okay see i said it wrong okay can you say it again moose again pre nation yeah. Awesome. Okay, thank you. I wanted to just get your experience because you had a very noticeably profound experience during the during the Awaken the Spirit workshop. I would like you to just share that experience that you had. So could you just take us through that experience uh, and maybe some of the things you felt? Well, the one that got to me the most was uh when you did the the generational, the five generational trauma one where we had yeah. to read a, a script and it's funny because like the script that I got it was the, I think it was fourth generation and like everything that I read on there is exactly like what I went through but with with my mother's situation it wasn't like what I read was with the about the father mm. so like 
it kind of, that's what kind of triggered me. Cause I was like, that's exactly the things I said too, that I didn't want to do as if, if I become a mother. Right. So, so that kind of triggered me that there. Cause I was like, that's exactly what I went through. And then it's like, that's the fourth, I am the fourth generation or my mother's the fourth generation and I'm yeah. the fifth. And yeah. Yeah. Roughly about how old were you when you took the workshop? Cause you're fairly young. How old were you at the time? Uh, I was 29. Oh, you're still in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. When we do that exercise, what I notice personally is that sometimes it's the older people who really get triggered. And then younger people, they have an easier time, you know, with the exercise. And honestly, I, I was really surprised that it impacted you that much. And, mm-hmm. and at the same time, it just, it made me realize that, you know, it's, it can have a different impact on anybody at any age. Yeah. You know? it, that's just how, how powerful that activity is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it made me understand too now, like my mother's situation and like how, like how she treated us. So it made me like understand like the generational trauma. Right. That's passed on. Yeah. Yeah. My, gra- my grandmother's a residential school survivor. Mm-hmm. My mom never really got to go. She never got to experience residential school, but the the effects that that my gr- grandmother went through, she took it out on like her kids and that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm glad that you said that because um, it really helped me understand my parents too. Mm-hmm. You know, when that because sometimes I used to carry like I remember being young and not just as a child, but like even as a young adult, I used to have resentment sometimes towards my parents, like you know, why can't we have a nice house like everybody else? Or why can't we go on trips? Or how come I don't get the in-style clothes? Or, you know, I used to be, yeah. I used to almost get angry, um, you know, at my parents, like, how come you can't, can't provide these things for me? You know, just really that like selfishness of a young person, but never understanding them. And then mm-hmm. now as an adult, like that exercise just put everything into perspective for me. Yeah. And I can understand my parents and not just those things, but like, everything everything yeah. that they that um that we went through like both my mom and my dad yeah yeah so that's it yeah that's what like kind of triggered me because I felt like what I was reading yeah and it helped like I'm kind of glad that I went up and did it yeah that you like stepped out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. you know got up in front of everybody to actually participate mm-hmm. so how do you feel that the workshop like awaken the spirit how do you feel that it helped you overall like in your life well with work it helped a lot to be more like more confident in myself mm-hmm. and like try to step out to be a leader more and and in personal life same thing like um to be more confident in my in my own skin and whatever yeah because like I don't know it just helped me a lot especially when you added those uh motivations and those affirmations because that's what I'm starting to do now more of like say affirmations and that and it helps it actually does help yeah it does and sometimes we don't realize that we just need to find we just need these little tools you know in our in our toolbox to to help give us more motivation help give us more strength you know mm-hmm. more confidence and even just helping us put ourselves first you yeah. know what I mean like especially yeah. when we're um in relationships or when we're parents like we have to remember that we're important too 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to put ourselves first and we have to put our needs first. Yeah. I really love Darium workshop. Yeah. I, you know, I, I wish that more people could take it. And that's really one of the reasons that um I'm hosting some interviews and doing a podcast on it because I realized that not enough people know about the work that I do mm-hmm. and that I have a program out there that can help people. And it's funny because I've been doing this work for eight years, kind of silently in the back. And then now I'm just realizing like, you really got to get out there and people really have to know that you have this work and yeah. that you have this program to help, to help people. I think it's time now, like it's time to really step out of the shadows and try mm-hmm. help, try help the masses. 100% in there. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because I really, I really liked, and I feel like it would help a lot of young adults too, especially like high school kids. Yes, I used to be a substitute teacher, and that was like one of the main things I would talk to the high school kids about was like, um, like becoming an adult after high school, like well, you know, eighteen and that, especially for Indigenous people, because not a lot of us were born with a silver spoon Uh in our mouth, (laughs) right? Exactly. And then, you know, we also, if we say, if we grew up in the reserve, like I grew up um, a lot of my life on and off in the reserve, but we also have to learn that we can step out of our comfort zone and mm-hmm. move away, you know, have the courage and the confidence to, to move away for a while and leave behind everything that's familiar and yeah. everything that we know, everything that feels safe and go out there into that big world and succeed. Mm-hmm. Cause that's really scary. Yeah. So how do you feel um, like you've recently moved away from your reserve, your comfort zone and in your family support? And you know, you've taken that leap. How, how, are, how are you finding it? Mm, well, I'm actually kind of used to it because I was like, growing up, I lived in a lot of different places. Like mm. me and my brother, we never had like a our own home like my mom never had a home for us to grow up in like we either lived with our grandparents for a year and then I'd go live with my dad's my dad's parents my other grandparents for another year Uh so I did a lot of moving around but so I'm kind of used to like moving away from home it does get lonely I do end up going back sometimes like yeah back home but once I'm back there I could stay for a little while but kind of gets too like a little too depressing because it's the same things that happening over and over and over again Mm -hmm. like with um drugs and alcohol addictions and stuff like that yeah and And sometimes the reason why I want to move away from there is because I don't want to get stuck in that cycle too like Mm -hmm. and you have you know your children as well um yeah I I feel I feel the same way it's like sometimes um it's so easy to get sidetracked or distracted and allow that negativity to affect you. Mm -hmm. And even the lateral violence, you know, where people, you know, instead of raising you up, they want to tear you down. Yeah. Instead of applauding your successes or, you know, being happy for you there, um, talk about you or something. Yeah. My old boss, um, from Jordan's principal there, Mabel Cook, she used a good term called crabs in the bucket. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's that's funny. Um, I I just had a an, another um interview with somebody and I didn't know that they had come to my Awaken the Spirit workshop four times. 
four times. Yeah. And I, I knew they had come multiple times, but I didn't realize it was that many times. And, and I'm realizing now that, you know, because my audience is growing bigger and bigger that I don't like can't keep track or count anymore of how many times people come. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's been a number of people that come more than once. And so that's kind of gives me like a, a little bit of an indication that they found something of value, you know, yeah. and they want to come back and they want to um, experience it again and pick up, you know, new, new tools and stuff. Yeah. I really, I want to go back. I want to do it again because I yeah. really enjoy it. And also, um, you know, it's also nice to like meeting other people. Like mm-hmm. when uh, you get to meet people from different communities and hear their stories. And when you hear their stories too, it's like stories that, you know, somebody that's been through the same thing or if you've been through it too. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, that's, um, that's all I really wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for coming and I really just wanted to hear what you had to say, because you always stood out to me in the workshop, because you just really immersed yourself into those three days, you know, like you were just, you were in it. And I, and I could see that from you, like, I could see that you were taking it in and that, you know, things were changing. Mm -hmm. It helped helped me a lot, like see things differently now, and to Uh understand like traumas and stuff like that. And Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. I really wanted to get your take on, on the program, Awaken the Spirit program, because like you've basically been there from almost the beginning of when I started program. So I actually started this program. I did my first one in 2013. Can't believe it's been like, it's been 10 years. And um, yeah. And so I started it off it's very similar to what it is now. Once I started going into communities, I started tweaking a little, a little bit and, you know, seeing what was working, what wasn't working, taking things out, adding things in. And then around 2017, 2018, I felt like I had a pretty solid program. And it was 2018 that I hosted my first train the trainer. Cause it kind of got to the point where um, I wasn't able to be, everywhere at once yes yes yeah so so that's how it started do you remember when you first came like maybe around was it around 2019 or 20 yeah yeah it was around 2018 29 it was within that time frame and i believe it was in saskatoon oh you came to the one in saskatoon yes okay that was the first time i believe so because you came twice right (laughs) (laughs) well we had um we had few staff turnovers and so each time i had i went with them so it was more or less refreshers each time oh that's so funny that's so cool okay then let's let's talk about that so how have you used the program like how have you guys used awaken the spirit program and how does it fit into what you do or maybe you can even describe what you do and then how it fits into the program Okay, so what I do is I work with First Nations, mainly social recipients. And with the program that I work with, we provide a lot of trainings, uh, workshops to help them to become more employable, Mm -hmm. uh, independent. And with 
the wake in the spirit it's usually mm-hmm. one of our first workshops that we do as an introduction towards our program we go through the intake process first and then we get like a little work readiness and then we dive into the awaken the spirit mm-hmm. so it, they have a better understanding of who they are why they may be in certain situations in their life we use it as an eye opener and also as a motivational tool so that they're more aware of who they are, where they come from, and how they can begin to make that transition to becoming an independent person. Yeah. So there's four parts. So what would you say is the most impactful piece of of the program? I would have to say the resiliency aspect of it, because what surprised me is that within our First Nations, there's a lot of people that are unaware of our history about residential school, uh, the impact that it has had, and the generational traumas that followed with it. And once they they learn about that aspect of it, it, I've seen people break down and cry, uh, people with anger. I've seen people open their eyes and realize, okay, this happened to us. Now it's my duty to try break that cycle and change our change history i guess if you want to use in that aspect Mm -hmm. i was going to ask you about the the generational trauma exercise um how would you say that that affected you personally or or changed your outlook or or something that that exercise i like it's a very deep and impactful exercise it's a real eye opener and it also gives you somewhat of uh, a visual of how each generation was impacted from the very first. It gave you a visual of how, how things started right to the current date. You were able to see how each generation was impacted and the harm that it has caused through each generation. Mm-hmm. I found it to be like, it's a really good exercise. Also, it I've I've also seen it impact people to the point where they would break down just knowing that this type of uh, actions or this type of uh, yeah actions that were happened to our people throughout throughout the past. I had to pre warn people like if it becomes a little too much, too intense, like by all means, feel free to step out, take a break because I don't wanna. Because a lot of times some of these people have went through that type of generational trauma. So if it's a little too close to home, uh, like by all means, take time to yourself. Come back when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I feel like it's this piece that people don't realize that they need. Yeah. Or it's this uh, this education that people don't know that they need because I didn't know that I needed it. You know, when I was first ex- when I first experienced it and. Um, you know, I've, I've also seen people kind of roll their eyes, you know, when I, when I would start talking about it and and in my mind, I'm thinking like, I know that you you don't want to do this, but I know that you're going to benefit. Like I always think you're going to benefit from it where, where, and it doesn't even matter where you are in your journey of understanding or in your level of understanding, you're going to benefit from, from it in some way. Yes. Because yeah. Definitely gives you a different outlook and a different perspective on our people of why things are the way they are. 
Yeah. And it helps. It really helps with people's understanding of themselves because mm-hmm. then they kind of have an answer almost as to, okay, well, that's why, you know, that's why things are like this, or that's why I grew up in poverty, or that's why, you know, we grew up this way, or people treated me this way. Yes. It, it, it gives you that um, answer that of this, these unspoken questions that people have just kind of going through life being treated a certain way, but then finally understanding, oh, there's a reason. Yes. So is, is there a benefit to coming more than one time, would you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, first time I've taken it, yes, I've taken in a lot of information. And then I went back second second time. And then, because I was coming in with what I already knew. Mm-hmm. And going in there again, you have a different outlook, different mind perspective. And then certain areas of each of the your four topics would stand out each time. Like I said, I've I've taken it four different times. <laughs> and each time I've come in with a different mindset, and each time I feel like I've gained more because there might have been something that I may have overlooked. And then right. when we come back to it, it's more ingrained into my my head. Each time definitely was beneficial. I was able to gain more knowledge and more comfort with delivering the program. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it has helped you in your own life, not just in your work? Absolutely, especially especially the the vision aspect of it, like how you set your goals and then you write them out and everything like that. Like that was a personal benefit for me. Like I was never one to like write down my goals and try to pursue them. Mm-hmm. At least doing like these little tips and tactics, like it it gives you direction, something to strive for. So like yes, definitely beneficial. Also going back to the generational trauma exercise it really put into perspective of why certain things went the way they did during my upbringing Mm. which gave me a better understanding and more respect towards my parents Mm -hmm. like realizing okay that's definitely something I've experienced and this is could possibly be the reason why because it was it was what they knew and so that's how they were able to, I guess, raise me in a mm-hmm. certain way. But I was very fortunate, too, that my parents were the ones to break that generational cycle. And now I'm the one that's carrying it on to my kids. Mm, nice. So when you guys use it in your programs, what are the, the communities that you work with? Well, the four communities that we currently work with are Chimuawan, Muspaustik, Sapatoyak, and Musayigan. Oh, okay. You don't work and with those again? No, they're part of Swampy Creek, but they're not a part of Swampy Creek. They opted out, so they kind of do their own. Um, they're striving to, okay. for more so- sovereignty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the communities that you work with, do you find that, you know, this program, it, it benefits their, the rest of their program? Would you say that it does? Absolutely. Like, I, like yeah. I've mentioned, we use it at the beginning of our program, so... It gives these people an idea of where they come from, why they're why they're in certain situations, and then also the motivational aspect of it. It drives them to okay, okay, I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna go to this program. I want to do better. I want to continue to grow as a person. So this program is perfect for a stepping stone if you want to progress and get well, 
initially make change within our First Nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I've always felt that way too. When I market it to people and when I talk about it to people, I don't say, you know, this is the be all end all, but it's it's such a great foundation, yes. you know, just to build yes. on. Like it's awakening, it's eye opening. Absolutely. Um, and it and it really helps because you really need that solid foundation. That's that's how I feel. It's like you can't build a building on a you know, on a shaky foundation. You have to build yeah. on a strong foundation. So you you know, you really I think it's um it's great that you incorporated into the beginning, the beginning yeah. stages of your workshop because then it kind of gives them that motivation to keep going. Absolutely. And, like to keep to pursue the other all of the other um the other programs that you have to offer yes so what other programs um have your group been offering what are your regular programs oh we go anywhere from first aid cpr food handlers flagging um hazardous materials uh confined spaces chainsaw safety uh some facilitation trainings uh, we also take them on university tours, give them an idea of what's out there, what each university has to offer. Um, and like I mentioned just before you started recording, is that we're going to be taking them to a career fair, uh, vision quest. We try to give them an idea that there's more beyond the res. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to provide everything and anything that we think would be extremely beneficial for them and for our first nations. Nice. Okay. Um, so I remember I was in Sapotoyak. Um, I've been there a couple of times, uh, to deliver awaken the spirit in the early stages of your P P E S P program. And I remember I was at the band office and I was photocopying and I could hear somebody yelling, miss, miss. And then I looked into the boardroom and there's this kid and he was waving at me. He's like, I'm working here now. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I, I wish I could remember his name, but I couldn't remember his name. But he was working at the band office. And the year before he had taken the program with me the year before and his employment placement, you know, they'd offered him full time work and he was still employed there. And he was so proud. He wanted to show me that he was that he was just going into a meeting. And I was so excited because. I don't get to see that. Like, yeah. I don't get to see what happens after. Not that often unless um, somebody sends me a message. Uh, okay. Like when, uh, young people sometimes send me a message on Facebook or something just to let me know what they're up to. Um, but there have been a few. I have had people send me video messages, which I'm super proud of. I also, there is one boy who took the program with me a couple of months ago. And he's actually running for council in his upcoming band election. So I'm like super excited for that. Yeah. And he said, you know, even if I don't get in, he's like, I'm going for it. Yeah. And I'll keep going for it because I know this is what I want to do. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) No, that's the good thing about this program too. Like you, you get to see the, that transition, their change, their mindset, and then them progressing and growing as people. And then when you see them succeeding, like that's that's why we do it. Yeah, it really is. But um, what I wanted to also ask you is in the workshop, I always ask people to add your own things, add your own stories, tell the stories that you connect with when you're delivering material. 
are there certain things that you added that you can think of or certain stories, you know, that, that you tell during certain parts that you could talk about today? Yeah, a couple things, actually. Going back to the generational trauma, while I stick with what you provided, mm-hmm. and how I do my little twist on that is that I explain about how my parents, they were going through that generational trauma. And then when I was born, they were the ones that broke that cycle. And now I use it and I, I, I tell them that now that that cycle has been broken, I'm the one that's carrying on. That's the cycle that has been broken, passing it down to my kids so that they get an idea that the stigma that our First Nations people go through, these cycles can be broken and they can be carried on through our next upcoming generations. So I do my little twist on that. And then also I give them an idea when when we talk about racism, discrimination and the experiences that I've been through, I, I tend to use sports because growing up in a playing hockey in a predominantly white society, going to like these little towns as a First Nations team, like you face tons and tons of racism and discrimination. And what was really shocking to me is that you're experiencing these at such a young age where no child or adolescent should ever have to experience any of this stuff. I do a little twist on that and explain how how I personally handled that type of racism. I embraced it. I love the fact that this person is calling me this and that because to me, I use that as motivation. Okay, I'm, we're getting to them. They don't like the fact that we're here. We're proving ourselves. I use it more or less as motivation like, okay, you're not going to bring me down. You're not bothering me. I, I'm I'm bothering you by simply being here. So in, in a way, I, I, I looked at it as I'm winning. You're not. So right. That's how I, I kind of put my little twist with those with two aspects. Oh, I love that. I especially love like, you know, that generational piece, how you added. It's not just about the decline, about passing on all the negative. We also yeah. have the ability to pass on the positive and begin, and begin the climb, right? Yes. Like the climb out of there. Oh, wow. That's so good. <laughs> I love that. I, I really do. Well, I really want to thank you for talking with me today. And what I would love for you to do is, could you tell, just tell us a little bit about um, your M30? Can, can you talk about that? I just want to put it out there for everybody listening. Oh, well. Savannah would really be the best person to talk to it, but I can give my my input on it. Mm-hmm. Well, M30, it was developed by my wife and my son. He got accepted to go to Notre Dame, Athol Murray College Collegiate. It's a very expensive school to attend. And we didn't want to do fundraisers or give people a chance to win something. Mm-hmm. So they came up with this idea. They designed the logo that they would turn it into a brand where instead of looking for fundraisers to assist with paying tuition, that if people were going to pay for something, they were going to get something in return. And so that's how that started. And then it slowly started growing into, I guess, education, empowerment, um, trying to break away from the stigma from First Nations, like, you know, the stigmas that First Nations experience all the time. Um, So we were more or less 
try to motivate, encourage our youth to pursue education and sports because they go hand in hand. It's it's really been starting to to grow. It's been getting a lot of recognition. Uh, not only that too, like we we hand out bursaries to student athletes that are on top of their in in their education and whatnot. It's a lot of promoting, I guess, giving recognition to those that don't get the recognition that they that they should be getting. I've seen you guys recognize coaches and volunteers. Uh, young people. Uh, I've seen you guys donate hockey equipment and, you know, all kinds of things. And I just, I would, I, I wanted to hear more about what you guys are doing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're for- very welcome. And thank you for considering me. Thank you for listening. And I hope you were able to find a takeaway from this episode. Don't forget to share with a friend who may need some motivation today or share on your social media and inspire all your friends. Bye for now.